Thursday night football, we have the Green Bay Packers taking on the San Francisco 49ers. Now, this is a really tough season to be a 49ers fan because it seems like every time you blink, somebody's going down for injury. Now, I'm not going to run down the whole entire list of injuries for the 49ers, but I'm going to run down the more recent ones. So, Jimmy Garoppolo, he's out. He's going to miss a significant amount of time with an injury. George Kittle, he's out for eight weeks. Debo Samuel, he's still injured. So, for the 49ers, I still believe that this is a team that is capable of making it to the playoffs. And that may sound crazy, but listen. With the new NFL playoff format, there are seven teams that are going to be able to get into the playoffs. So I still think, despite the injuries that the 49ers have, that they still can't compete for that last playoff spot in the NFC. And the reason for that is because they have one of the best coaching staffs in the NFL. Okay? Like Kyle Shanahan, Robert Sala, they have a really good coaching staff. And even though they are a wounded animal right now, they're like an animal that was getting attacked by a predator, and they're just barely able to survive. They're like a boxer in the last round of a fight that's still being able to hang around, okay? So for the 49ers, I'm not going to give up hope on them just because they have a lot of injuries. Just because Garoppolo's injured, just because George Kittle is injured, just because they have a lot of big names injured on defense, I'm still not going to give up hope on the 49ers because I'm somebody who trusts the coaching staff. Okay, if a team has a good coaching staff, they can overcome any amount of injuries. The Philadelphia Eagles have done it twice. So if Philadelphia can do it, I think the 49ers can do it. And one thing that if you're a 49ers fan that you have to be excited about is the fact that you're facing a Green Bay Packers team that cannot stop the run at all. And let's talk about the Green Bay Packers for a second. The Packers lost to the Minnesota Vikings 28-22. Now, I didn't watch that game, but I didn't even preview that game. Because I was suspecting the Green Bay Packers to go into that game against Minnesota and handle business. Well, I'm looking at the bottom line when I'm watching the Steelers take on the Baltimore Ravens. And I see the Packers getting smacked in the mouth against Minnesota. So I went on Twitter and I added my guy at the Juice Alert. For those of you guys who don't know the Juice Alert, make sure to check him out. He's a Green Bay Packers fan. He's also a YouTuber as well. Uploads a lot of good content. I added him on Twitter. I said, man, Juice Alert, man. Juice, what, what is going on with the Green Bay Packers? Why are you guys losing to the Minnesota Vikings right now? Well, I go and I check the box score because I have NFL Game Pass or NFL Lead Pass, whatever it is it's called. It, it allows you to replay NFL games for the whole entire season. So normally before I do these previews, I will re-watch a game to make sure that I get a good understanding of where a team is going into a game. But I didn't need to re-watch the Packers game because all you got to do is go check the box score and you will see that Dalvin Cook had 30 carries for 163 rushing yards, three touchdowns, was averaging 4.5.4 yards per carry. He also had one receiving touchdown as well. He was their leading wide receiver. Minnesota only threw the ball 14 times in this game and still won. So Green Bay has an obvious weakness, which is the fact that they cannot stop the run. And that is not a surprise because Green Bay has had a lot of injuries to their linebackers. Um, Christian Kirksey, he's on IR. He's designated to return any other week now. So we don't know when he's going to get activated off IR, but Green Bay desperately needs him right now. They need Christian Kirksey. And maybe I might have underestimated the loss of Blake Martinez. And I think a lot of Packers fans may have done the same thing as well. You see, it's easy to um, attack Blake Martinez because he's not great in coverage. But Blake Martinez was one of the best middle linebackers in the NFL when it comes to being able to stop the run. 
And the Packers could desperately need him right. They could use him right now. Because, I mean, they can't stop the run to save their lives. They also have Preston Smith, who has been out as well. We don't know when he's going to return. So in terms of injuries, we've been talking about the 49ers. The Green Bay Packers also have a pretty long list of injuries that they're dealing with, especially with their half-half position. So A.J. Dillon and Jamal Williams are not going to be playing in this game. Um... A.J. Dillon came down with the CVID virus. I don't want to say the complete name of it because YouTube has a bunch of dumb things that happens when you mention it. So I'm just going to say the C virus. He came down to C virus, and Jamal Williams and Kamal Martin are also going to be out. They didn't contract the virus, but they're going to be out just for precautions just because they were around Aaron Jones the most. So, well, A.J. Dillon the most, excuse me. So for the Packers, you're crossing your fingers and praying that Aaron Jones is going to be able to go in this game. Now, he is questionable. He hasn't suited up. And also, David Bartiari as well. Both of those two guys are questionable. So, at this point, you basically have no choice but to play Aaron Jones. Now, the question is going to be just how healthy is Aaron Jones going into this game? Is he going to be 100% or is he going to be 80%? But either way, Green Bay needs some in this game. And like I mentioned earlier, the 49ers, although they are a five-point underdog going to, going into this game, it may seem like Green Bay is going to be able to go into this game and just blow out San Francisco. I don't think that's the case because the 49ers can run the football. And Green Bay all season has not had a lot of success when it comes to the run defense. So for the 49ers, you can win this game because the Packers are averaging 119 rush yards per game, 4.7 yards per carry. For the 49ers, you need to play your ball control offense. You need to control time possession. And the way that you control time possession is by converting on third down, keeping the drive alive. The Packers are 18th and third down converts percentage on defense. And the 49ers, on the other hand, they're 14th in the NFL and third down offense. They convert on third down 43.48% of the time, which is 14th in the NFL. They also need to run the football, which is something that they should be able to do, which I already elaborated on. And Nick Mullins has to be able to take care of the football. No turnovers. Now, for Green Bay, you need to get out to a big lead. If you're able to get out to a big lead early, let's say Green Bay ends the first quarter with a 21-0 lead. This game is pretty much over. Because the 49ers have really not a lot of weapons to work with at the wide receiver position aside from Brandon Ayuk. Jordan Reed was supposed to be the guy who could come in and hopefully give them a look at tight end if something was to happen to George Kittle. But George Kittle's out, and some way, somehow, Jordan Reed is out. So you don't really have any weapons at tight end. Brendan Ayuk is your best wide receiver. So for the 49ers, if you get down early in this game, it's pretty much wraps for you. So the Packers... They need to be able to stop Brandon Ayuk. Brandon Ayuk pretty much is their best weapon in the passing game that they have to work with. So if they're able to take away Brandon Ayuk, it's not really a lot of wide receivers that the 49ers are going to have in this roster, aside from Brandon Ayuk, that you can look at and say, oh man, this guy scares me. So for the 49ers, their best chance winning this game is playing ball control offense, which is something that they do. Dinking, dumping your way down the field and running the football. If Green Bay can find a way to stop the run, which I doubt, this could be a game that Green Bay runs away with fairly easy. Now, Green Bay on the offensive side of the football, you still had a pretty good day against Minnesota. But despite having a good performance offensively, you weren't able to win the game because Minnesota pretty much controlled time possession. They controlled that game. They kept Aaron Rodgers off the field. And that is the game plan. 
So for Green Bay to avoid suffering a similar fate of what happened last week against Minnesota, you got to make sure that you're able to get off the field on third down. And you also got to make sure that you're able to stop the run. And like I said, I don't trust Green Bay's run defense at all because they haven't been able to stop the run all season. And I don't think that it's because Green Bay doesn't have the time to stop the run. I just think it's more because of injuries. And you have Kamal Martin, who's also going to be on this game. That's going to be a big blow as well. So the reason why Green Bay is so weak when it comes to being able to stop the run is because they simply have been depleted at the linebacker position. And when you lose your starting linebackers the majority of the time, you're not going to have a lot of success um, stopping the run. I would have liked to have seen Green Bay trade for a linebacker at the trade deadline, but they didn't go ahead. They didn't make that move. A lot of people thought they were going to make that trade for Wolf Fuller. Me, I wasn't a big fan of the Wolf Fuller trade. Me, personally, I would have liked to have seen Green Bay make a trade for Brandon Cooks because Brandon Cooks is more reliable than Wolf Fuller. Wolf Fuller doesn't stay healthy. So for Green Bay, if you're a Packers fan, this is a game that is not going to be a walk in the park. Now, if you were able to stop the run, it would be. But since you can't stop the run, that's going to be a big major for concern going into this game. Now, I'm still going to start with the Packers to win this game, simply for the fact that I think the Packers should be able to come in and get the job done. Now, this game may be a little bit closer than what a lot of people expect it to be, but I'm going to take the Packers to win this one. 28 to 17 is my final score prediction in this game. I think that even if the 49ers are able to have success running the football, I just think that there's going to have some, there's going to be some moments of this game that you're going to have to be able to throw the football to get the job done. And the 49ers don't necessarily have the weapons offensively to be able to have a potent passing attack. And I know 49ers fans may be like, oh, look what we did against Seattle. Okay, Seattle's secondary has been Swiss cheese the whole entire season. Green Bay secondary has been pretty good this year against the pass. So, for the 49ers, unless you're able to have a game that you're just completely able to dominate time possession and you're able to hold the ball for at least 34 minutes in this game, I don't really think the 49ers are going to be able to win this game. I just think that they just have way too many key injuries, and I don't think their defense is going to be able to get off the field on this Green Bay Packers offense with Aaron Rodgers. So even if you are able to run the football, Green Bay can just go right down the field and score because I don't really think your defense is going to offer all that much resistance. So I'm taking the Green Bay Packers to get the victory here. 27-17 is my final score prediction. I think that the Packers cover, and I think they win by more. I'm choosing them to cover, and I'm choosing them to win outright. We have the Seattle Seahawks taking on the Buffalo Bills this weekend. The Seahawks are going into this game as a three-point favorite after they defeated the San Francisco 49ers last week, 37-27. And for Buffalo, they got a win against New England, 24-21. And I was really impressed with the way Buffalo performed against the Patriots last week. And what stood out to me the most is that Buffalo, it seems like after the last couple of weeks, they have finally remembered how to run the football. Last week, Devin Singletary had 86 yards for 6.1 yards per attempt and Zach Moss had 81 rushing yards two touchdowns averaging 5.8 yards per carry Buffalo had 190 rushing yards combined as a team and for Buffalo I don't know if a lot of you guys remember your preschool or your pre-k days but whenever you did something major like you had like an A on the test or something like that they used to give you out a certificate with the little star on the side that says, congratulations, you complete or you did such and such. Congratulations on your achievement. Well, the Buffalo Bills need one of those certificates. And then it's to say, congratulations, Buffalo, for remembering that you can run the football to win football games. Because Buffalo, over the last three weeks, hasn't had a lot of success on the ground. 
Well, it looks like they finally remembered that, hey, we can run the football. So for Buffalo, now that maybe they have the run game somewhat going now, this is going to be really big against Seattle. They're going to have to replicate their performance on the ground last week against New England and do the same thing this week because we already know one of the biggest things when it comes to facing the Seattle Seahawks is controlling time possession. You want to keep Russell Wilson off the field. And when you look at how Buffalo's defense has performed for pretty much the whole entire season, I don't really think Buffalo is going to be in a position that I would trust this defense to get a lot of stops. First of all, the secondary has been a major disappointment. And just as defense in general, I know that Buffalo has had a couple of key injuries throughout the season, but this defense doesn't look like the same defense that we saw from Buffalo last year. And for Seattle, you're pretty much in the same boat. Seattle's defense has also been a pretty big disappointment. When you look at all of the big acquisitions that they made in the offseason when it comes to that secondary, when it comes to that defense, especially when you made that trade for Jamal Adams, this defense has been one of the worst defenses, if not the worst defense in NFL history through the first eight, nine games. And I know a lot of people can say, oh, JT, Jamal Adams was injured. But even when Jamal Adams was fully healthy and when Seattle was at 100% on defense, this defense was still giving up a lot of yards to the Dallas Cowboys and the Atlanta Falcons. And for Buffalo, when you look at how Seattle's defense has played, and you look at how their secondary has surrendered a lot of big plays in the passing game. John Brown needs to have a big game for the Buffalo Bills. I feel like John Brown needs to be the focal point for Buffalo's offense heading into this game. Because when you look at how Seattle's secondary has struggled this year and how they're surrendered a lot of big plays over the top, you look at John Brown. John Brown is one of the most underrated deep threats that we have in the NFL. I feel like he could be in for a really big game against the Seattle Seahawks secondary that right now doesn't look all that great. And their best cornerback, Shaquille Griffin, he's questionable to play in this game. So we don't really know if he's going to be able to go in this game or not. But one thing for Seattle, if you're a Seattle Seahawks fan, you have to be happy that you are now getting Jamal Adams back. He's missed the last couple of games. He's going to be ready to go in this game. So that's a bonus for Seattle's defense. You also traded for Carlos Dunlap. I'm interested to see what impact he has on this game. You traded for him in a trade with the Cincinnati Bengals. Carlos Dunlap is one of the better pass rushers that we have in the NFL. And he doesn't really get talked about a lot because he's a little bit up there in age, but he's pretty consistent. He's normally known for having like consistent nine, eight sack seasons consistently. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he brings to the Seattle Seahawks defense. And can he give the Seattle Seahawks that much needed pass rush they ha- that they have been so desperately lacking this season? Buffalo secondary, they need to limit the big plays in the passing game. And they've been doing a pretty good job of that for the most part against Kansas City. They didn't really give up a lot of big plays in the passing game. And the big plays in the passing game that they did give up weren't really like 40-yard, 30-yard dots that Pat Mahomes was throwing. Like the big plays that they gave up against Kansas City was more of the wide receivers making things happen with the ball in their hands. So when you face Seattle, you're going to have to be able to do that. Because with the way DK Metcalf has been performing, you also got to look out for Tyler Lockett as well. Seattle is a big play offense. So if you're Buffalo, it's going to be really hard to stop the Seattle Seahawks offense. It's really much, pretty much pick your poison. Now, for Seattle, we don't really know how their halfback situation is going to look heading into this game because they had a couple of big injuries last week. Carlos Hyde didn't play. So... I'm still keeping my eye on them for the half-half position, but Seattle isn't really a running football team this year. Seattle can beat you by throwing the football all game. 
And for Buffalo secondary, I'm keeping my eye on this matchup. Jadavious White versus DK Metcalf. That is the big matchup to look for. When Jadavious White gets matched up against DK Metcalf, he's going to have to step up. He's going to have to show the world why he's one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL because if he's not able to win that matchup, then I think it could be a long day for Buffalo's offense because I understand that Seattle has a lot of weapons that you have to look out for. I know Seattle fans are going to come down in the comment section. They're going to be like, oh, even if Buffalo manages to somehow take away DK Metcalf, they have to stop trying to lock it. Listen, it's better to take away and have to worry about one guy than just to have to worry about two of them. So if you're Buffalo, you rather have to deal with trying to stop Tyler Lockett than having to try to stop both DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. So I think that for Buffalo, your biggest key has to be getting rid of DK Metcalf in this game because he has been the Seahawks' best wide receiver and just try to somewhat focus on Tyler Lockett. If you can keep one of those guys from having a big game, then you'll be in a pretty good spot. Josh Allen needs to have a big game, okay? Josh Allen has really played great over the last three, four weeks. This is a game that is a pretty favorable matchup. Once again, Seattle's defense hasn't been great. This has been the worst defense in NFL history in terms of yards surrendered over the first nine weeks of the season. So Josh Allen needs to step up. He needs to make some big plays in this game, and he should be able to do so because Seattle's defense, their secondary, hasn't been great. They're not really able to get a good pass rush. And you're looking at Josh Allen. Josh Allen, at one point in the season, early on, the first four weeks, was playing like an MVP candidate. They're going to need that Josh Allen to return if they want to be able to win this game because this game is going to be a track meet. If Buffalo plays up to level of expectations that we expect them to play and the level that they have on offense of talent, they should be able to put 30 points on Seattle. So I'm expecting this game to be a high-scoring affair. I think both of these two teams are going to end up scoring 30 points. And this game is, may be decided by whoever has the ball last or whoever has a turnover. And Seattle's defense, even though their defense hasn't been great, one thing that Seattle does do very well is force turnovers. So Buffalo, with Josh Allen, you need to make sure that you don't turn the football over. And for Seattle, you also need to make sure that you don't turn the football over as well because this is a game that can very well come down to whoever's quarterback has the ball in their hands last. This game is going to tell us if Buffalo is legit or not. Now, the last time we saw Buffalo play against two of the best teams in the NFL, we saw them get clobbered by Kansas City, and we saw them get clobbered by Tennessee. Now, this game, you're going against the Seattle Seahawks, which not only is one of the best teams in the NFC, but the Seattle Seahawks are a potential Super Bowl favorite. And for Buffalo Bills fans that have been saying that the Buffalo Bills are Super Bowl contenders, this is now the game that you come out and you prove to everybody that you are a Super Bowl contender. Because you're facing a Seattle Seahawks team that, although we don't really know if they know how to play defense or if they even know what defense are, this is one of the best teams in the NFL. And what makes Buffalo so dangerous is the fact that you have Stephon Diggs, you have John Brown, you're now able to run the football. Now it just comes down to Josh Allen being able to distribute and get the job done. Now, like I said, Josh Allen should be in for a pretty big day. Because pretty much everybody that has went against the Seattle Seahawks defense has tortured this defense. Even Nick Mullins last week for San Francisco when he came in and replaced a Jimmy Garoppolo due to Jimmy Garoppolo getting injured, he had a pretty good game against Seattle. So if Nick Mullins was able to have a pretty good performance against the Seattle Seahawks defense, then Josh Allen should be able to do the same. So the team I'm going to take to win this game, I'm taking Seattle. And I know it may seem like I'm hating on Buffalo. I'm not hating on Buffalo. I think that Buffalo is a playoff caliber team. But in terms of being a Super Bowl favorite, 
this is a game that is going to tell us a lot about Buffalo in terms of where they are in terms of being a Super Bowl contender. And if I was betting money on this game, I wouldn't bet it on Buffalo. And I like Buffalo a lot. I'm not making it to seem like I'm hating on Buffalo because I have picked against Buffalo a lot over the last couple of weeks. But I'm not hating. You guys got to understand something. The way that I pick these games, the team that I pick the game is a team that if I had to bet money on and had to bet my life on the win, that's a team that I would pick. So if I had $1,000 right now and somebody said, hey, you have $1,000, you have to use that $1,000 on betting either on Buffalo or Seattle. Who would you use it on? I would use Seattle. And I know that a lot of you Buffalo Bills fans, you guys are going to have a lot of confidence going into this game because you know your fans, but you have to be realistic about yourself. On a scale of one through five, as a Buffalo Bills fan, what number or how high do you think that Buffalo has a chance to win this game? One through five, pick a number. I think your confidence will pretty much be one through five. It will maybe two or three. Two or three means that you're in between. And that's because you don't really know what Buffalo Bills team you're going to get. Are you going to get the Buffalo Bills team that you saw last week against New England that was able to run the football? Or are you going to get the Buffalo Bills team that we've seen the last couple of weeks that struggled to beat the New York Jets, got smacked by Kansas City, and got smacked by Tennessee? That's where the question lies. But I'm taking Seattle to get the victory. I think Seattle wins 38 to 35 is my final score prediction in this game. I think this game is going to be decided by one possession. I'm going to take Seattle to get the win here because I feel Buffalo allows Russell Wilson to have the ball in his hands to win the game. I think that he's going to be able to deliver, especially on the Buffalo Bills defense that has been a pretty big disappointment for the most part. And if Buffalo gets the ball last, I will have a pretty good amount of confidence in Josh Allen being able to take Buffalo down the field and win the game simply for the fact that Seattle's defense has not delivered all that much this season. So as long as Seattle doesn't turn the football over and they're able to get pressure on Josh Allen, Seattle should be able to win this game. Give me Seattle. It's Florida Georgia week. We have the Florida Gators taking on the Georgia Bulldogs in the world's biggest cocktail party. I'm really excited about this game. Now, as we know, this game is most likely going to decide who ends up winning the SEC East and who ends up most likely taking on Alabama in the SEC championship game. Now, for Florida, they defeated Missouri last week, 41-17. And their defense looked really good. And I know a lot of people are going to be like, oh, JT, it was only Missouri. I understand Missouri isn't the best of teams, but Missouri does have a pretty solid offense. And when you look at how Florida's defense has played the first couple of weeks, I mean, it hasn't really been good. So the fact that their defense was able to perform the way they did against Missouri was really impressive. Also, you got to remember that Florida was missing a couple of key players on the defense side of the football. So the fact that they were able to perform the way they did despite missing a couple of key guys on defense is really impressive. Now for Georgia, you defeated Kentucky last week 14-3. And even though Georgia won that game, it feels like that was a game that Georgia was just barely able to skate by and win. It's like you ever were in school and you pass the test, but you barely pass like you pass it with a 60. Like a 60 in most states is considered a passing grade, but you barely pass. Okay. And for Georgia, it seems like you won that game, but you barely were able to win that game. And a big reason why was because of Georgia's offense. Stetson Bennett is a great story. 
okay, we already know about his story. He walked on, you know, he went Juco, went back to Georgia, ended up starting the season out as their four-string quarterback, and now he's their starter. Okay, he's a great story. But I'm going to say what a lot of Georgia fans already know. Stetson Bennett is holding back Georgia's offense. Georgia has a lot of talent offensively. They have one of the best offensive lines in the SEC. They have a great trio of halfbacks, and they have two of the best up-and-coming wide receivers in this conference in Kiaris Jackson and George Pickens. But quarterback is the Achilles heel of Georgia. And Stetson Bennett, going into this game, the biggest question for him is going to be, can he make the big plays to get Georgia to win? Because I don't care what any Georgia fan comes on and tries to say about Florida's defense. Look, I'm not necessarily convinced about Florida's defense neither. Me, I'm somebody who needs to see a team put up two, three good games of performances for me to say, you know what, this team has improved. So for Florida, I'm still not all that sold on their defense. I still need to see better play out their defense for the next couple of weeks before I'm on the bandwagon that Florida's defense has hit the corner. But even then, if Georgia is able to come in here and run the football, despite how well Georgia is able to run the football on Georgia on Florida's defense, they still going to have to have points during this game that they're going to have to complete some passes down the field, which is something that I don't really have a lot of confidence in Stetson Bennett being able to do. And when you look at the Alabama game, Georgia's defense kept Georgia in that game in the first half. But in the second half, what's the difference between Alabama winning that game and Georgia losing? Oh, Mac Jones was able to make the big plays when Alabama needed them, and Stetson Bennett simply wasn't able to. So when I look at Stetson Bennett heading into this game, I want to see is he going to be able to make those big plays, make those big throws to keep Georgia in the game. Because a large reason why Georgia defeated Florida last year was because, first of all, they were great on third down. They were 12 or 18 on third down. And second, they controlled time possession, which when you're able to convert on third down, you're most likely going to end up winning the time possession battle because you're able to keep the drive alive. You're able to sustain longer drives. So with Stetson Bennett, is he going to be able to make those critical throws on third down that Jake Fromm was able to make? Like, I know a lot of Georgia fans aren't really big fans of Jake Fromm. And Jake Fromm is pretty much hated because of how that Justin Fields situation went about. They ended up choosing Fromm over Fields. Fields went to Ohio State. We already know what Justin Fields is doing right now for Ohio State. But, I mean, one thing that you have to give Jake Fromm credit for is that he was able to make some big throws on third down. And for Stetson Bennett, I don't know if he's necessarily going to be able to make those big throws on third down like Jake Fromm was able to make. So if you're Florida defensively, you need to put Georgia in third and long situations. If Georgia's looking at a third and seven or a third and eight or a third and long when they have to throw the football to convert, you feel really good about your chances of being able to get up off the field. Meanwhile, if you put Georgia in third and three, third and four, third and two situations where they can run the ball to pick up the first down, you don't really feel good about that. So for Florida... What your strategy has to be defensively, you have to stack eight, nine guys in the box, go all out on stopping the run, and force Stetson Bennett to beat you by throwing the football. And if you get beat by Stetson Bennett, you can live with that. But one thing that you Florida that you can't allow is for Georgia to dictate this game by running the football. 
And another thing for Georgia is that you have to make sure that you don't turn the football over. Because one thing that killed Georgia in that Alabama game was the fact that they had so many costly turnovers in the second half. And it doesn't matter how great of a defense that you have. If your defense is on the field for more plays than what they want to be, and they're put in a situation that they have a short field to defend, they're going to surrender some points. So Georgia has to play mistake-free football, and they also have to be able to run the football. Okay? And if Georgia isn't able to do either one of those things, I don't really think they have a good shot of winning this game. But at the end of the day, like I said earlier, Stetson Bennett is still going to have to be able to make some throws to win the game. Okay? It doesn't matter how much success Georgia has on the ground. Stetson Bennett is going to have to throw the ball eventually. And he's going to have to be able to connect on some big plays. And I question Stetson Bennett's ability to do that. Now, for Georgia... Defensively, you have one of the best defenses in college football. You're going to get one of the best offenses in college football in Florida. But one thing that Florida can't do offensively is run the football. And for Florida, I think the run game is going to be really critical in this game because this game, I was talking to a Florida fan yesterday. He said that for Florida to win this game, time possession is going to be really critical in this game. Because Georgia dominated time possession last year. Georgia held the ball for 35 minutes and 48 seconds compared to Florida only holding the ball for 24 minutes and 12 seconds. So Florida has to be able to win that time possession battle if they want to be able to win that game. And by winning time possession, you have to be able to run the football. Because one thing about Florida is that Florida is a team that doesn't take a lot of shots down the field. And I'm surprised that a lot of people haven't really touched on that. Florida is an offense that is able to make the big plays in the passing game because of what these wide receivers are able to do once they get the ball in their hands, especially Kadarius Tony. If you give Kadarius Tony a screen pass, he's able to take it to the house. So if you're Georgia and you're Kirby Smart, what your strategy has to be defensively is you have to make Florida beat you by throwing the football deep. And they do have the talent to do that. I'm not saying that Florida can't. I'm just saying that we haven't really seen Georgia have to be put in a situation against Florida that they have to, you know, stop the deep, they have to stop the deep passing game, really. So if you're Florida's defense, or if you're Florida's offense, excuse me, you want to win this football game by, you know, taking what the defense gives you, taking those six, seven yard, you know, open passes. But if you're Georgia, you need to be able to take those away, force Florida to throw the football downfield. Now, I'm not saying that Florida isn't capable of doing that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that we haven't seen Florida do that a lot this season. And another thing for Georgia is going to be, how are you going to take away tight end Kyle Pitts? Because when Florida gets in the red zone, the majority of the time, Kyle Pitts is scoring the majority of the red zone touchdowns. So what is going to be your game plan for taking away Kyle Pitts? So for me, this game is going to come down to who is able to get off the field on third down and who's able to control time possession. Okay, so for me, I am going to take Florida to win this football game. And the reason why I'm going to take Florida to win this game is because I don't trust Stetson Bennett. I don't trust that Stetson Bennett is going to be able to make the big throws and make the big plays when it matters the most. And I think that Georgia is going to lose the same way they did against Alabama. In the first half, they played a really good game. But in the second half, when Stetson Bennett was forced in a situation that Georgia had to lean on him to win the game, he wasn't able to do it. And I think that's going to be the same end result in this game against Florida. I think that Georgia's defense is going to be able to keep them in the game. 
But eventually, Stetson Bennett and this offense are going to have to be able to make some plays. And I don't care how bad Florida's defense may be, you still like their chances against Stetson Bennett. Stetson Bennett, we don't even know every time he throws the ball, you have to pray to God that the ball gets past the line of scrimmage. So, I mean, for Georgia, I think you're really limited to that quarterback. And I think quarterback is going to be the reason why you lose this game. And like I said earlier, it doesn't matter how much success Georgia has running the football. Eventually, there's going to come a point in time in this game that you're going to have to be able to throw the football. And I don't think Georgia is going to be able to do so. So I'm taking Florida to win this game. 24 to 13 is my final score prediction. Give me Florida.